I'm Darlie. It's March 11th, and you're watching Horizon Church Online. Imagine arm wrestling with God. How pointless would that be? He's so powerful. He's so strong. He could easily defeat us. But the Bible tells us that when we position ourselves to be proud, God actually opposes us. He actually fights against us. We're essentially setting ourselves up to arm wrestle with God when we choose to be proud. And on the flip side, when we choose to be humble, we're actually positioning ourselves to experience God on a deeper level and be used by God in some incredible new ways. As we're continuing our series on practical Christianity, we have to talk about humility because it's foundational to living a real-life Christianity every single day of the week. Augustine, an early church father who lived just a couple hundred years after Jesus, he said this, the first, second, and third most essential things in Christianity are humility, humility, and humility. And he went on to say that all other virtues in the Christian life are built upon the foundation of humility. And so it's essential that we understand this concept, that we know how to live it out, because without it, no other aspect of practical Christianity is going to be feasible in our lives. And the honest truth is that all of us could use more humility and less pride. 0% of your problems in life are due to having too much humility. So this is something that we can all learn from and all get better at. But sometimes we use these biblical terms like humility and pride, and we use them in everyday conversation in a way that the Bible didn't. For instance, one time I was talking about pride and a gentleman came up to me and he said, does this mean I can't be proud of my grandchildren or proud of my country? No, we're using the word pride there in a different sense than the Bible is. When we say we're proud of our children or, our, or of our grandchildren, we're saying we're celebrating who they're becoming and what they're doing. When we say that we're proud to be an American, we're excited and celebrating the freedoms that we have in this country. That's different than the biblical concept of pride. So what does the Bible mean when it talks about pride and about humility? Pride is redirecting attention away from God or away from other people and redirecting that attention, that praise, that applause to yourself. And on the flip side, humility then is redirecting attention away from yourself towards other people and towards God. That's just a very simplistic level explanation of what pride and humility look like as they're talked about in the Bible. And that's very practical in that description, right? We instantly know how we can implement those things and when our behavior is reflecting pride or humility. Now, James here continues his conversation about trials that we talked about last week. He continues to talk about difficult situations, but he begins to incorporate in this idea of pride and humility. In James chapter 1, starting in verse 9, it says, Let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation, but let the rich boast in his humiliation, because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises, and together with the scorching wind dries up the grass, its flower falls off, and its beautiful appearance perishes. In the same way, the rich person will wither away while pursuing his activities. Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. 
we're just going to break this down section by section. First of all, in verse 9, he talks about the brother of humble circumstances should boast in his exaltation. What's he talking about here? He's talking about someone who doesn't have a lot going on for them, doesn't have anything that would draw attention to themselves. They're in humble circumstances. There's nothing that people would look at and think, man, that guy's really got it together. Uh, they just don't have anything that would draw attention to themselves. He says, if something does happen where you're exalted, he says, celebrate that. Redirect that praise back to God because God is the one who brought you out of that. You didn't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That was a gift of God that you were able to move from where you were to where you are now. He's not saying that we shouldn't celebrate when good things happen. He says we should celebrate, but we should celebrate God as the cause of that. And then he goes on here and he talks about the flip side. He talks about what if we have a lot of things going on for us? We're the center of attention. We are either rich or in an important position. We're somebody that's often in the spotlight. And then something happens where attention moves from us to other people or to God. He says you should celebrate that because now you've been humbled. And he says that being humbled is actually the precursor to being used by God. He says if we continually celebrate what we've done and what we have going on, um, we're going to just eventually wither away. He says everybody has kind of a season of fame, you know, um, especially in today's world with the social media and the internet. I feel like people have five seconds of fame all the time and they'll post a video and it'll go viral and they're like really famous for about two weeks and then people just forget about them. They might have, you know, a guest appearance on the Ellen Show and then no one ever remembers them six months later. We're like, oh, I forgot all about that video. You know, that person was famous for just a little window of time. And that's exactly what James is talking about here as he begins to incorporate this um, explanation from nature. He says, you know what, a beautiful flower springs up. And he says, everyone looks at it and loves it. But he says, then the weather changes and that flower falls apart. The blossoms fall off and it's not beautiful anymore. The same thing for a fruit tree, right? It has all this fruit and it has beautiful leaves. But then the season changes and it looks like a dead, barren tree. And he says, hey, if you want to draw attention to yourself, recognize that's always only going to be for a season. You're going to get old. You're going to lose your talent. You're not going to be in the same position anymore. Sports stars see this all the time, right? They're really great players for a limited window of time. And then people forget about them and new players come in. The roster changes or really great musicians. You know, we have all these bands that come back and they try to do revival tours and stuff. But we're like, man, they were really good in the 70s. But now... Now they're really old. You know, they get up there and we're like, oh man, remember when they were in their prime? And that's what James is saying here. If we try to draw attention to ourselves, he says, at the best, that's always going to be for a season. But he says, instead, if you make it a practice of being humble, always redirecting attention to other people and to God, he says, this is the better way to live. And I mentioned, or I briefly referenced it at the beginning. But in 1 Peter 5, 5, Peter says, God opposes the proud, but he gives undeserved good to the humble. I don't know about you, but I don't want to fight God. I'd much rather get undeserved good from God than to arm wrestle with God than to fight with God. I would much rather position myself to receive undeserved good from God than position myself to fight against God. One of my favorite quotes from Mark Patterson, a pastor in Washington, D.C., is this. We should pray for awkward and uncomfortable and embarrassing situations because they humble us 
so that we can be used by God. You know, God will use all types of people. He'll use stupid people and foolish people. He'll use sinful people. But the only people he won't use are proud people. Over and over again in the Bible, we see where he uses prostitutes and murderers. He uses doubters and fools. But he never uses proud people. See, when we choose to humble ourselves, when we redirect attention to other people and to God, we position ourselves to know God on a deeper level and be used by God in new and exciting ways. We live in a world that's obsessed with self, and that's really what pride is. Pride tries to draw attention from every area and pull it back to us. Social media is prime for this. Advertising trains our brains to think like this, that it's all about you and your preferences and your choices. We're obsessed with ourselves. But when that obsession with self plays out, what it leads to is us prioritizing our comfort and our safety over other people's needs and God's glory. See, if we choose to be prideful, we're gonna miss out on helping other people and God working through us to help other people and praising God and experiencing God on new levels. When we humble ourselves, we position ourselves to serve others and to know God on a deeper, more meaningful level. Now you see here in verse 12, he says, if you serve God, you're going to be rewarded. And he says, uh, blessed is the one who endures trials because when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. The word for crown here is Stephanos. It's the wreath that was put on an Olympic runner in the Roman Olympics. If they won, if they were a victor, they wouldn't get gold and silver and bronze medals. They would get these wreaths made out of leaves and they would set them on their head and it was a sign that they had been victorious through this uh, running exercise or through this athletic exercise. And essentially what he's saying here is when you endure hard times with humility, pointing the attention away from yourself to other people and to a loving God despite what you're going through, he said there's going to be this mark of victory on your life that's going to raise questions with people that's going to make them ask about how can they go through this situation and still love God? You know, it's interesting. Sometimes even when we go through bad times, sometimes we draw, try to draw attention to ourselves. It's like you walk in and you say, oh, my grandmother just passed away. And somebody else is like, my grandmother got shot six years ago. Like they have to one-up you. Or you're like, I just got diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and it's going to change my diet. My whole life is going to have to be re rearranged. And somebody else is like, I got, I got uh, diagnosed with cancer. And it's so much worse. Like even sometimes in tragedy, people try to one-up each other and draw attention to themselves. And he says here, though, that when we respond through difficult situations correctly by redirecting attention to the needs of others and to the glory of God, despite what we're going through, he says, our life is going to be marked by this certain uh, mark of victory that's going to make other people ask questions, questions that we can then answer with our faith in Jesus Christ. Remember, as we're studying through our book about how to live as missional people, people who are sent out, one of the things is the early church lived questionable lives. They lived lives in such a way that people ask questions like, why do you do this? Why do you love these people? Why do you act this way? And it created opportunities to talk about Jesus. That's the same way we want to live as we live practical Christian lives. We want to do things and act in such a way that it makes people ask about why we are acting the way we are 
And we get to answer with the name of Jesus. We get to tell them the good news that Jesus Christ came into this world, not to condemn us, not to destroy us, but to rescue us from the most destructive parts of ourselves. And that anyone who calls out upon the name of Jesus and says, I want to be your disciple. I want to be your student, Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes into their life and equips them and empowers them to live this radically different life. So as we come to the end here and we think about pride and humility, what do we take away from this? How do we apply this into our lives? First of all, I think one of the first things we need to do is we need to identify pride in our life. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal pride in our life because pride is insidious, it's sneaky. It tends to rear its head in our lives in unexpected ways, ways we don't think about, ways that we don't expect, and sometimes ways that we ignore. And so ask the Holy Spirit to reveal areas in your life where pride still exists. And let me just tell you, everyone still has some. And so if you come back and you say, there's no pride in my life at all, you're probably deceiving yourself. Sometimes it's good to ask someone who knows you well and say, hey, are there areas in my life where I'm redirecting attention away from others and away from God to myself? Can you help me identify those and remove those? Um, there's a personality index called the Johari window and it has these different quadrants. One of the quadrants is things that other people know about me that I don't know about myself. And sometimes we're just blind to things that we do or say and they come so naturally we don't realize that there's actually pride there. Number two, I think we need to pray for awkward and uncomfortable and embarrassing situations so we're humble enough for God to use us. Man, I've prayed for this and a lot of times I don't even have to pray for it. I just naturally do it. A few weeks ago, I was changing out my brakes and um, Justin was over helping me and I am trying so hard to take off this bolt so that I can pull off the caliber and uh, replace my brake pads. And I am like standing on this wrench trying to get it off. I'm putting all my force on it. And finally, Justin's just like, you know you're turning that the wrong way. And I'm like, oh, what an idiot I am, right? Those things humble us. But being humbled enables us to be used by God. I mean, I've prayed this prayer. I remember praying it one time before I spoke at a church and uh, they had a wooden podium that you spoke from behind and someone had brought me a cup of water it's in a glass and um, I was helping the sound guy set up some cords and I tilted the podium the glass fell over shattered the glass shattered the glass uh, communion table right in front of it and here I am a minute before the service starts in this church picking up shards of glass when I got up there to stand and present the message nobody was like well, this guy's really sharp. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. This guy must be brilliant. Everybody's like, this guy must be a moron. You know, like you stood up there and nobody was expecting anything out of me. And what happens is God spoke despite me and people actually uh, found that message really powerful and people were coming up afterwards and they're like, oh, God spoke to me so much through this. And why? Because I was humbled so that God could work through me. See, many times we'd much rather look good look cool, look like we have it all together and not be used by God rather than be humbled and actually have God supernaturally use us. That's what happens all the time. And pride deceives us and makes us think, well, if we look like we have it all together, it's okay if there's no supernatural power. It's always better to look like a fool but have the supernatural hand of God on your life and your ministry than anything else. We desperately need God and awkward and uncomfortable moments remind us that it's not about us, that we don't have it all together, we're not that awesome, but he is. And finally, number three, 
Think about practical ways this week that you can redirect attention away from yourself towards other people, towards the needs of other people, towards the efforts of other people, and then redirect attention away from yourself and give praise and glory to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the challenge to be a humble people in a world that's obsessed with self. And Lord, thank you that you call us to live in such a way that it really will make people question. Nothing stands out more in this world than people who aren't trying to stand out. Let us be a people who seek the shadows and not the spotlight. Let us be a people who so value your presence and your working through us, your supernatural power and your hand on us, that we're willing to look foolish, that we're willing to be embarrassed, that we're willing to even have awkward situations, Lord, so that we're humble enough to be positioned to be used by you in our world. And I pray all these things like I believe Jesus would. Amen.
We're moving! Our next service will be at The Rock, 19 East Eagle Road, Havertown, PA, 19083. On March 18th, we're also switching service times. Our new service time will be from 5 to 6 p.m. on Sunday evenings. If you would like to donate to Horizon Community Church, you can do so online at horizonphilly.com backslash give or at our next service on March 18th. We'll continue our series on practical Christianity next week. On March 31st, from 10 to 12, we are partnering with the Bryn Mawr Business Association to host an Easter egg hunt at the Bryn Mawr Gazebo. Remember to invite people to our first weekly service, Easter Sunday, April 1st at 5 p.m.